Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Gail. And I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com. Invite us to conduct workshops or speak to your organization on issues that matter to women aging. Consider becoming a sponsor. And if you are an author of a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. Today, we're delighted to bring to the show Lenny Garfunkel. Lenny is 77. She's originally from New York and later San Francisco. She married her first husband at 26. They were married for 18 years and settled near Morristown, New Jersey. Currently, Lenny lives in Charleston, South Carolina, near her son. Lenny's had a varied career from special ed teacher for children with learning disabilities and emotional issues to corporate life, real estate, and insurance. Six months ago, Lenny, who loves outside sales, began selling ASP air purifiers and believes she has found the answer to combating allergens and killing pathogens in the air. Her interests are creative. She makes and sells unusual beaded jewelry, paints on canvas, and is considering studying how to paint on art glass. Lenny, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you so much, Gail. I'm delighted to be here. And we're happy to have you. Let's start about talking about all the moves you experienced during your career. I'm wondering, how does it change a person to live in so many different communities? Well, I am an adventurer. I've always has been. Um, I traveled the world in my early 20s and really got a taste for other cultures, um, meeting different types of people. And um, I'll, I'll tell you something funny in my early married life, we moved from uh, New York City to Pennsylvania, back to New York, and then out to New Jersey. And whenever we had to make a move uh, from the, pretty much from the, from the suburbs back to the city, I would say to my husband, I can't move back to the city. I'm a country girl. And then in the country, it just went the opposite. So yeah, it, it was, it was always fun. I enjoyed it, but I am in Charleston now here to stay. And, um, Love living here. Uh huh. Great, great. So why why so many careers? You know, all all in different areas. Not not the same. You know, not switching to have different jobs in the same industry, but lots of different industries. Well, you know, as you said, I started off as a special ed teacher, and I truly believe that. Teaching is all about influencing. It's about changing behavior. It's about getting people interested in what you are teaching. And so 
after I was teaching, my best friend at the time was the first sales, first female sales manager at Xerox in Manhattan. And she said to me, you have to join Xerox. She said, it's a great company. You'll do well in sales. And so being the adventurer that I am and never being afraid of change, but always welcoming change, I interviewed for the job. It took me about two months to get it and uh, started my career in sales, selling copiers and duplicators. And I absolutely adored it. I loved uh, being out in the field and meeting people and having different experiences every day. And um, so I did that for about three years while we were living in Manhattan. And then we moved out to the Morristown area in New Jersey. And we lived in a fairly new subdivision. And uh, going back a little bit before I go into my real estate career, my husband and I, when we lived in the Philadelphia area, we would always, we had a motorcycle. and We were traveling around looking at houses. That was our passion. We loved seeing different types of houses. Uh, we lived close to the main line in Philly. So um, it was a really, really beautiful area. We loved driving through the countryside. And so um, when we moved to the subdivision in New Jersey, I decided that I wanted to go into real estate. And so, as I said, we lived in a, in a newish um subdivision and I went around, I made up a newsletter uh, that talked about different housing prices and different models of housing and what percentage they were going up and a, a real nice newsletter. And I went around to 300 and something houses and knocked on their doors and introduced myself um, and mm -hmm. gave them my newsletter and told them if they ever we're thinking of moving, I'd be happy to help them. And so I had a really um, good career in real estate for quite a few years. We had an office that was up the street from the uh, headquarters of AT&T in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. And so after two years of being in real estate, my husband, who really hated his job at AT&T, decided to join me in real estate. And two years after that, we opened our own company. And um, so we worked mostly with transferees. People at that time were being transferred in and out of corporations a lot more than they are now. And we also worked with people who were trading up in, into bigger homes. So. Um, I did that for quite a few years. I loved that, um, really enjoyed real estate. And um, then when I moved to uh, Charleston, well, actually, when I moved to Florida, I was living in South Florida for about six and a half years. Um, I was working at a company and a young woman came in dressed in khakis and a T-shirt and she was selling Aflac insurance. 
And I really, I really liked her. And I thought, gee, I would love to do this. Love to be able to wear khakis and a t-shirt to work and, um, and help really help people with insurance because it's something I had never really thought about before. And when I saw what she was doing and I bought a number of policies from her, um, just because I said, wow, I just didn't realize, I mean, what happens if I get cancer or if I have a heart attack or, you know, if I become disabled, something like that. And so I really enjoyed listening to her and I saw how caring she was. And so um, I decided I was going to um, make a transition into insurance, which I did. And I have been uh, a broker for 17 years before I went into, and, and I still do some, I have, I certainly haven't given it up, but it's not my main um, squeeze right now. So did you keep the real estate company? No, no. What happened was um, when we had a real estate company uh, during that time, we got divorced. I had a small child at the time. And this was before you could buy individual health insurance. The only way you could get health insurance was if you were with a company. And so I decided I had to, and I really didn't want to leave, but I had to leave just so I could get the benefits. I'm sure there are a lot of women out there who have had the same experience as I have. Uh-huh. Okay. So now, after all this time you have decided to switch again and begin selling air purifiers. Yes. Well, I have, I have been a health nut my entire life. I started out when I lived in San Francisco at the beginning of the health food movement in the late sixties. And um, I became very, very conscious and taking care of, my health. It's always been my number one priority because I feel like if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything else. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how big your house is. If you're not feeling well, then it all doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And so I have always um, been a resource for friends and family uh, in, in terms of helping them with their health, I take about 20 supplements a day. I've been walking at two to three miles a day since I'm 18. So that's going to be 60 years coming up in December. And um, I, you know, I do every, I eat organic and I do everything I can to take care of myself. And so I've, oh, I'm, I've been used to helping people. With, with that aspect of their lives. And uh, I decided that I wanted to also be doing something else, not, not doing my insurance uh, 100% of the time. And so I was looking around for a new job and I went on Indeed and uh, found a description of this air purifier, which just knocked my socks off. The first thing I saw was that it kills 
COVID-19. And this was in April. So we were still, you know, it really deep into COVID-19. And um, so I called up the woman who had put the ad and I said, sign me up. And then found out all the other um, really, to me, miraculous um, things that, that this um, air purifier can do. It, it kills uh, all kinds of pathogens, all viruses, um, mold, mildew, uh, fungi, VOCs, everything. And I said, this is something that I feel everybody should have. And it just so happens that my son who lives with me um, was really suffering very badly from allergies. He would be up at night coughing and hacking and I, it really broke my heart. It was just at the time that I decided to um, work with, the, uh, with Afterpure. And of course I bought one right away and uh, within, I would say, two days, he was 95% better. And uh, I said, well, I, I certainly know that this works because he had bought uh, a fairly expensive air purifier from Amazon that he was using, but it really didn't do anything for him. So, Lenny, is this the kind of air purifier that we might find in dentist's office and some doctor's offices? It seems they're, they're putting in uh, air purifiers that have different kinds of ventilating systems. Absolutely. Well, this, this is a portable, it's an eight-pound portable unit, and they are in um, right now more than 50 uh operating rooms in the Cleveland clinics. We are in the Pentagon, we're in doctor's offices, all kinds of hospitals, um, in restaurants, in schools, the Philadelphia school system just put it in all of their schools. So it, it's something that people are really aware of. And of course, even though, you know, most of us have been vaccinated, um, from everything that I read and hear, COVID is not over, certainly. And it, it seems as though these kind of viruses are going to be with us for a long, long time. And so um, this is a way of certainly um, preventing um, the virus from getting into your home or your place of business. Right. Um, well, it certainly seems like a timely... Uh, a timely profession for you to pursue. And, uh, but I want to go back to the healthy eating. And uh, you, when you and I spoke, you mentioned that you had breast cancer. Yes. Was that early on or later in life? No, that was my first bout with breast cancer was when I was 72. Okay. And um, it just came from a routine mammogram. And um, it was like the, the actually the perfect storm in my life because uh, my mother had had breast cancer. I had it on um, my cousins on my father's side. So it was definitely in my family. And as my oncologist said, it would have been very strange if you had not 
gotten breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I had a mastectomy and then I, I guess it was actually two, it'll be two years ago, August 2nd, that I had my second mastectomy. And um, so, you know, <laughs> at least I won't have to have any more mastectomies, that's for sure. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yes, and I even tried, I tried to, to become a vegan for a while. I really did, but um, it, it just didn't work for me because uh, I seems I need to have some animal protein in my diet. So um, I've gone back to, you know, I, I eat very, very carefully. And as I said, I eat almost everything organic. So um, Whole Foods gets a big part of my, uh, my paycheck every week. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've always been a a healthy eater. So you have a great interest in art. Let's talk about that a little bit. How did that come about? And, you know, and what, how does it manifest itself today? In my art, did you say? Yes. In your art. Well, when I was, um, in my early, no, my late, my late, 20s and living in Manhattan, I started, I I found a bead store. I just happened to walk into a bead store one day and I fell in love instantly with beads. And Mm -hmm. I started making jewelry right away. Um, And at that time, it was kind of funny. um, Henry Bendel's was um, allowed people, allowed vendors to come in once a week and bring in their wares to see if that was something they wanted to sell. And so I loaded myself up with my probably 20, 25 necklaces and stood in line there and waited my turn. And when I got in there, they told me, oh, I'm so sorry, but we're just taking gold chains now. He said, he said, beads are not in anymore. And um, so I, you know, I was of course disappointed, but I went on making my jewelry and sold it quite a bit um, to uh, art galleries in New Jersey, to gift stores. Uh, a couple of women wanted their, um, wanted me to make the necklaces for their weddings. And um, so I I sold to private individuals. I sold to parties and things like that. And um, so I started out with jewelry. And then one day, um, my honey and I were downtown in downtown Charleston. And I always loved art. I always loved paintings. And we were in a gallery. And I saw what to me was the most beautiful painting I'd ever seen. It was totally unreal. And so I asked the gallery owner who did that and what it was because I'd never seen anything like it. So she told me there was an artist from Asheville and um, that she worked with uh, alcohol inks. So 
I came home and Googled first thing, Googled alcohol angst and, and saw what they were all about and um, saw some examples of it. But I, going back again, um, in my first marriage, my husband and I collected French art glass from all over the world. And so I always loved uh, art, uh, art glass. I loved contemporary as well as the um, the antique. And mm. so I decided that I was going to try to do this alcohol ink on vases. And that's when I started doing. And uh, I loved the alcohol inks, but they were kind of limiting in, in terms of uh, how you could work with them. And so I decided to try working with acrylics. and that was much more interesting. There, there was a lot more that could be done with acrylic simply because alcohol ink dries very, very fast. You can't do much with it on glass. So um, I started uh, probably, I don't know, five years ago working uh, with acrylics on glass. And uh, I was shown in a gallery in Charleston and um, just, you know, in, in other places and individuals have bought my, my glass and um, I've really loved it. And I just started, I just did my first um, painting on canvas the other day mm -hmm. and I absolutely love it. And so mm -hmm. I think I'm going to focus on that for at least for a while now. Gail, I have a question yeah. for Lenny. Um, mm -hmm. Lenny, you're just, you strike me as having this incredible reservoir of natural talent. And, uh, and I'm wondering how you, how do you learn to do these things? How do you learn to sell? How do you learn to, um, to create, you know, create the artwork? Are you self-taught? Are you taking courses? How does well, that happen? Um, I was lucky because when I started working for Xerox, they had at that time um, the best training, the best sales training in the world. There were all kinds of corporations that used the uh, Xerox sales training. And we had two sessions. Um, we went to, they had a school in Leesburg, Virginia for three weeks where we learned how to sell and um learned you know all, all about the mechanics of the copiers and then uh, a couple of months later we bet we went back for advanced training so that's really where i learned how to sell where i learned how to do an interview and ask questions and um so i was very lucky that i landed at xerox because it has really helped me throughout my whole sales career Mm -hmm. And in, in terms of the art, you know, luckily we have Google now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I, I spend a lot of time looking at, um, you know, podcasts on you, YouTube um, channel does a lot. They do a lot of different types of art instruction. I also belong to something called the Artist Network. Mm -hmm. which uh, has a vast array of instructional videos. Plus they have a beautiful um, uh, magazine that they send out once a month. So 
I'm I'm just always very curious. I and I think one thing that has really um, worked very well in my favor is that I enjoy change. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of change. I've never been afraid of change, and so when I find that something is not working out as well as I may like, I have no problem finding something else. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think that's kind of kept me young. I, I can't imagine being in the same profession for 20 years. I'm <laughs> married to the same man for 20 years. <laughs> well, 18, 18 years was my limit. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so uh, Lenny, tell tell us. Um, you know, you're going to be 78 next next this year yet? I think this year. And this year, December. In, that's right, in December we have, but we both have birthdays in December. And so, tell us a little bit about your thoughts about aging, and and uh, is there anything you might have told your younger self, knowing what you know now? Um. Well, first of all, I've never been afraid to age. I've never had the, you know, those feelings of dread when I turned 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. And I, I don't understand people, quite honestly, that do. Um, you know, every age, I think, brings new opportunities, new challenges as well. But I, I just never think of myself even as being older. I have my, my best friend that always talks about being old. And I always say to her, you're not old. You know, you may be older, but you're not old. And I, um, you know, I, I think also I've been lucky that I've been in sales all my life because that's something where age doesn't really make a big difference. You know, um, you can always get a sales job no matter how old you are, as opposed to a lot of other professions where you can't. And, you know, they say if you're over 50, you're out. Or even if you're over 40, you're out. You know, don't bother applying for a new job, which is, you know, just horrendous. So I've been lucky in that way that I have not been hampered by my age in terms of how I work. And I'm looking forward to being 80 and I'm looking forward to being 95. <laughs> you know, I'm so, you know, I, I had the best relationship of my life um, when I was 72. Unfortunately, he passed away um, about three and a half years later. But that was my best relationship at age 72. I had been married twice. And um, who thought that that would happen? I, I did. So, um, <laughs> so I, you know, there are just all kinds of opportunities. And I feel like I take good care of myself so that I'm not dragging around except when I don't get a good night's sleep. And, um, you know, just looking forward to the future. That's wonderful. And, and that's a great note to, to end on. And we thank you very much for being here with us today. Well, thank you so much, Gail. I really appreciate it. And listeners, uh, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined Facebook group.
Visit our website, womenover70.com, and discover everything you'd like to know about our Women Over 70 community. We'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.